The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Just one more thing, Your Highness. I've got to make a quick trip south uh, to see my editor. I have to leave from the railhead tonight, and Suzanne's offered to drive me. Yes, of course. Oh, I want you with me in my blind tonight. I can promise you a very stimulating evening. You know, I'm just beginning to enjoy your company. Well, that's very sporting of you, Your Highness. Yes. And uh, now, dear boy, I really must exercise the royal prerogative. <laughs> Suzanne wishes to rehabilitate me. I see. Well, I wouldn't want to stand in the way of progress. Uh, we leave after the hunt, then, if you don't mind. Yes, after the hunt. Well, if you'll excuse me, I have some work to do. I hate to miss a deadline. So do I. Brash American newspapermen. I wonder if they really cause all those riots all over the world. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, October 19th, 2017. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be well, I think there's a lot of truth to the observation that newspaper men cause riots. <laughs> and if ever there was a test tube case to experiment with and verify that proposal, it's what's been happening in London over the past few weeks. London, Ontario, I'm referring to my hometown. Today we'll be taking a look at politics, life, and art through the eyes of how the left sees them, while, of course, deconstructing and examining their arguments as we go. We'll be looking at three specific topics and controversies that we've already brought to your attention on recent past broadcasts of Just Right, one of them being the ongoing issue with the Pegida rallies and free speech restrictions in downtown London, another, the polarization of the left and right and how the left is always the source of all the violence, hate, and racism that it seems to be blaming on this imaginary right that does not exist. And finally, believe it or not, We'll round off the show today with how this leftist view of life reflects on one of the controversies we discussed last week, the one about the release of the new Star Trek TV series, Discovery. But before we get underway, don't forget you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, subscribe to Just Right on iTunes, hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave, Visit us at www.justrightmedia.org, where you can access all of Just Right's social media links, including Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and of course, all of Just Right's past broadcasts. Some Facebook reactions to our show featuring guests Mark Vandermas and Jenny Hill of Pegida, which was broadcast on September 21st, were very revealing about how simply vile and contemptible the left continually demonstrates itself to be, all the while virtue-signaling virtues that the left just doesn't possess. And here's how the discussion began to evolve. Annie B. Now, I'm censoring these words here, but you can fill in. F off, you Nazis. Show your bigoted faces again for more of the same treatment that you got last time. Hashtag no Nazis, no hate. To which I responded, Your hatred and intolerance would make any Nazi proud to be associated with you. 
And then Annie writes back, Nice try, Adolf. See you at Victoria Park. And I responded to her, No, you won't be seeing anyone at Victoria Park. But you should be aware that your comment, Your bigoted faces, is completely racist. Obviously, you don't care that people now know what you are. Kelly D., who, who, who wrote in response to Annie B., writes, quote, You're the ones who covered your faces and carried communist flags and who will not listen to reason. Pegida is not racist. They were standing with the Jewish people against Al-Quds, who wanted to wipe Israel out. There are ex-Muslims in Pegida. Maybe you should stop banging on water bottles and listen to reason for once. Nana T. writes, you're all a disgrace. To which I responded, if you're referring to the mayor and all of the blindly irrational screamers and so-called anti-hate protesters who allowed themselves to be utterly misled by the completely false information, we quite agree. And then she replied, nope, I'm referring to the ignorant bigots like you. And so I didn't know this person, and I had to write her back and say, since you and I have never met, you have made a prejudgment without any facts. That is based on your own lack of knowledge, otherwise known as ignorance. And this is also known as prejudice. Perhaps you've heard of that word before. Moreover, your comment suggests that we are unaware, ignorant, of some facts that we should be aware of. We're always open to being corrected if and when demonstrated to be incorrect. Unfortunately, the only facts you've offered so far are those about your own intolerance. And then here, here's another lefty, very, very pleased with hearing from us. <laughs> Kevin P. writes, What in the absolute F is this effing BS showing up in my effing Facebook for under suggested posts? The only thing those effing, and here he refers to part of a woman's body, are good for is getting pegged in the face with bricks. The truth, bull effing S. <laughs> Go take a bath in gasoline and find a car wreck. Racist, bigot, then he refers to a woman's body parts again. I responded, thank you, Kevin. Too many people cannot bring themselves to believe that people like you even exist in our midst. You've made quite an embarrassing and disgraceful exhibit of yourself. Once again, a voice of the left in all its inarticulate glorious hatred evil, intolerance, ignorance, and topped off with a call to violence. Obviously, you need someone in your life to hate. We suggest you direct your vile hatreds to those who deserve it. Try looking in the mirror and shame on you. Kevin writes back, That's rich, being called embarrassing and disgraceful by a effing racist organization. Oh no, the effing KKK doesn't like me. Keep it up, Phelps. <laughs> well, Kevin P. couldn't handle the heat anymore, so he cut himself off from our being able to respond to his post. We couldn't post a response to him, so we had to make a separate post. This is, this is on our own Facebook page, so that at least any other visitors to that page would have it made clear that Just Right is not an organization, quote-unquote, quote, in any way, shape, or form, and we have no memberships, no dues, no agenda, other than getting things just right when it comes to addressing the major issues of our day. Actually, if we try to organize anything, it's probably our blog posts and podcasts. 
Very few concern racism, but folks like Kevin keep forcing the issue on us because it's the only thing the left likes to talk about so as to deflect attention from the real issues at hand, which is the left itself. Clearly, Kevin has no, absolutely no idea of the facts or circumstances regarding the Pegida rallies or who he's talking to or what he's saying. He should try listening to one or two of our podcasts on this topic, if he would dare, and then perhaps he could offer some kind of critical, informed response. We'd always be pleased to address any real concerns that he might raise. However, as I warned, I say, you know, if any of his future posts on our page continue to express those expletives and threats and hatred, we would just have to remove them and perhaps archive them for possible investigation by authorities. Because that's pretty serious stuff that he's writing there. I don't know if people are thinking about what they're publishing in public. So as you can see, these views are polarized to the point where it is clear that there can be no possible reconciliation between such differing values, even if it is vaguely appropriate to call anything supported by the left, you know, a value. How does one value anti-life ideologies? I don't know. Only by denying that they are so and by preventing any discussion or discourse on the matter. Maybe that's how you do it. Now, at this point in our show, I really have to apologize to everyone listening right now for insisting that you endure the painful conversation that is about to follow. (laughs) Sometimes it pays to hear how the left thinks in their own words. Now, this excerpt is focused on their comments with regard to the Pegida rally that was to be held on the day following this September 22nd broadcast that originally aired on CHRW FM 94.9 radio. Yeah, that's the same station on which Just Right came into being. And it's from a show called The Indignance, hosted by Mike Roy, and his guest on that day was none other than Bailey Lamon, the counter-protester who made the front pages of the newspapers across the country for being the person who spit in the face of one of the Pegida supporters. Both of these speakers are organizers of the protests against Pegida that they're openly conspiring to conduct, shall we say, on the most sinister of motivations. So everything you're about to hear is is just wrong. The facts are wrong. The philosophy is wrong. The thinking is wrong. This may be perhaps the shallowest, most superficial discussion I have forced myself to endure in a long time. These two don't know left from right, right from wrong, and their conversation demonstrates that such considerations are merely to be dismissed based on their own subjective feelings and criteria. Very scary people. I have a lot more to say about these two when we return to the real world. Hey, Bailey, how hey, you doing? Hey, good afternoon. Uh, uh, so today, um, we are going to talk relating to the event that's going to be happening on Saturday the 23rd. Tomorrow. 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 At uh, two different locations. And this seems kind of weird to some folks, but there is the Pegida people, first off, are, are coming back to London. Them and their Proud Boys and the Three Percenters and... Uh, some xenophobic uh, folks. Your local far-right clowns, basically. Yeah, and your (laughs) alt-right, we call it now, some of those folks too, right? Um, Now, not all these these folks are are Nazis. Um, They are a semi-diverse group of uh, hate, I guess you could call it. 
Um, there's, like I said, like you can definitely say they're xenophobic. That's the one thing that they've all got in common, these, these four or five different groups that are going to be gathering. They're all against Muslim people and the, and the religious faith of Islam. Yeah, the, the group that's organizing this rally tomorrow is Pegida, or they're, uh, they're just an anti, anti-Muslim group. Mm-hmm. Um, they think that the West is being, is, what's the word they use? Islamist. Islamification of the West. Yeah. They um, get all hurt over us uh, saying uh, Islamophobia. Oh, that's a made-up word. Well, I mean... Well, no, they're, they're, they're Islamophobic. They're afraid yeah. of Muslims. Like, they, they believe that Muslims... Uh, should not be allowed into Canada. Um, mm-hmm. They don't want refugees coming over um, or, or any Muslim immigrants, people from Muslim countries. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, uh, you know, and it's based on, on racist stereotypes. And, yeah, and some might even say, hey, I'm okay with them coming over here. I just don't want no Sharia law, well, right? I, I, as if Sharia law is a threat to Canada. Yeah. And uh, they, they get together with the three percenters. and Which is a militia group. Uh, I mean, the last rally here in London, a couple weeks ago, it was August 26th, and that was very, very successful. Very um, successful. Hundreds of people Five, six, came out yeah. to oppose them, and there was like maybe 30 of them at the most. So we're going to do it again, yeah. only um, there's some... Uh, Slight difference this time. Differences this time, yes. Not not a disagreement, necessarily, um, but it's just people have different uh, different ideas about how they feel this should be done. So there's going to be two different counter events. So um, there's going to be a group of us going to City Hall Mm -hmm. uh, to confront the Pegida folks directly. Mm. And then uh, at the same time, there's also going to be another another group, another rally um, at the uh, northwest corner of Victoria Park. Mm -hmm. That's where people are going to go to just spread the love and be peaceful and Mm -hmm. and have like, I guess... All this is like... You know, from the outside, you could see that you could look at this and say, "Hey, wow, the left is fracturing." Well, no, this no, is, no, no, this isn't a fracture. We actually had a meeting with people from yep, both groups yep. earlier this week, and this is and, just simply called yeah. the diversity of tactics. Um, and and also that same group feels as though uh, they want to have a safer space at the same time too. Right. right? Some people just don't want to be around the Pegida right. people which because is, they are hateful. Which is totally um, cool, and that's totally understandable, yep. right? Um, and so that's totally cool, but you know, there's also going to be a group of us uh, going to City Hall to confront them directly, not violently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel the same way as well because um, I'm involved with both both groups mm-hmm. with organizing and stuff. Um, I personally feel that we should not give them the opportunity to take any public space. Some of these folks are, are, are cool with uh, genocide and stuff like that. Like they're, you know what I mean. So if, if you're, if you're, you know, if I'm putting a bread sheet in front of somebody that's, you know, inciting genocidal attitudes or, or, or tendencies or, or, you know, this is the way they think. Uh, I, I don't feel that I'm, I'm hindering anybody's free speech. Well, I, here's the thing. Um, they have a right to free speech, absolutely. Um, I'm very big on civil liberties. I would never be okay with, even with these people, I would not be okay with the government going in and censoring no, I, them. I, I, I would agree. not be okay with the city shutting them no. down because the city could use the same kind of tactic against us yep. if we were yep. having our own demonstration, yep. right? So I am very much anti-state. 
mm-hmm. in this situation, and I'm very, very anti-censorship. However, we both agree on that. Some people have this idea of like the good protester and the bad protester. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and that like I like where this is going. Right, uh, it's it's like you know you have to you know the good protesters do things a certain way, but mm-hmm. if you cross over a certain line, then you're mm-hmm. a bad protester, and yeah. you're only credible if you fit into the box of the good protester. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like a lot of people have those ideas about like what's okay to do and what's not okay to do at a protest, and like I don't agree with that attitude mm-hmm. because I think it's all about context I think it's all about the situation mm-hmm. I think that in some situations there are things that are totally justified um, that might not be justified in other situations right I mean yep. if we're talking about diversity of tactics or the use of what could be considered and I'm putting this in quotations violent mm-hmm. tactics mm-hmm. right I do believe that it's all about that context and and I really feel like to make a proper judgment of these things, you really need to understand the context. You know, some people do look at it as more black and white. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you, you have to do things in a specific way or else you're... These darn binary thinkers, eh? Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. is like these things aren't black and white. No. And, and There's often a large gray area in there. Yeah, and, and again, some things that may be justified or even necessary in some situations might not be in, in other situations. Mm-hmm. And it, it really depends. And it's not fair to just look at something and be like, oh, those protesters are bad because like they they smashed something or, mm-hmm. or whatever. You know they what broke I'm a saying? mailbox or yeah, a window or Yeah, something. they're so bad yeah. because they resorted to violence and they're sinking to the same level as mm-hmm. the Nazis who are advocating for genocide. And it's just like... No, it, like in my opinion, that's just that, that's not accurate. That's mm-hmm. that's taking things to an extreme that's not even uh, I don't know, based in reality. Yeah. Let's review what we just heard. First of all, all the information was generally incorrect. This talk about Pegida and the Proud Boys and the Three Percenters, none of them were at this particular rally. And of course, she's talking about how your local far right clowns and alternate right folks are going to be attending this rally, says Lamont. Again, stressing the unavoidable need for labels, that left and right labels, and to assign the wrong values to the wrong label. That's the, that's the strategy. That's how the left works. <laughs> Not all of these groups are Nazis. They are a semi-diverse group of hate, says Roy. Holy, how do you say stuff like that in public? Well, not all of them, eh, Mike? I've never heard such mindless expressions of free-flowing associative opinions about which no knowledge is being expressed. There's nothing of knowledge there. They're definite xenophobic, all against Muslim people and the religious faith of Islam. Again, another outwardly and obvious false statement by Roy. Absolutely oblivious to the facts or what Pegida is saying, because obviously he's not listening. So he's just making it up as he goes along. If he were to listen, he would have to stop and hesitate at least for a moment. But maybe not, because we'll hear a little more from him later on that. These folks want to really deny this whole concept of Islamification of the West. They're they're worried about the so-called right being upset when the left accuses the right of Islamophobia. As if Sharia law is a threat to Canada, laughs Lamont. Well... She's missing the whole point and making more false accusations in the process. 
Sharia law is not about Canada, at least not yet, but Sharia law is a threat to Muslim women who live in Canada today and who live in other parts of the world. As I've heard Rahil Raza of Muslims Facing Tomorrow say so often, and who, by the way, appeared at Wolf Performance Hall in London last night, and she said this on this show. And we've had many other Muslims on our show and people from the Muslim world who have said this very thing, that this Sharia law thing is not good. And they come here to escape this kind of thing. And as Salim Mansour said on our show, the whole Islamophobia motions and all that stuff towards silencing free speech works on the following game plan. First, silence non-Muslims. Then, silence the Muslims. And that's how the left has abated and abetted Islamist theocracy in many countries, including Iran, as was so clearly explained by Amir Farahi when he appeared on, on the show as well, and who hails from Iran, and who talked about how the left totally helped the theocrats in that country take control, after which the theocrats killed them all. I mean, this is how loyal these groups are to each other. And of course, they try to make Pegida sound like the militant and violent group by describing the three percenters as a militia group and G.I. Joes trying to be intimidating, when in fact they're the intimidators. They, of course, call the last rally very successful because they had 500 of them versus 30 of the people in Pegida. But I wonder what they you know, thought about the second rally in which Pegida supporter numbers remained about constant, but the counter-protesters dropped from 500 to about 60. You know what I mean? But this whole idea of the two different counter-events, it's not a fracture, it's a diversity of tactics. Uh, sorry, no, it's a fracture. <laughs> Many of the counter-protesters were appalled and aghast at what they saw their fellow protesters doing at the last rally, and so they don't want to be with them. But how do these two spin it? Oh, well, some, some don't feel we should confront the Pegida rally. They want a safer space because they don't want to be around the Pegida people because the Pegida people are hateful. Uh, no, no. Miss Lamont, it's you and your fellow protesters who, that, that these people don't want to be around. You know, you're the ones who are doing all the hating. You're the ones that are scary. Mike Roy actually saying in public, I personally feel that we should not give them, speaking about Pegida, the opportunity to take any public space. Well, can it get any more shameful and despicable than that? Public space? Isn't everybody entitled to public space? Isn't that where we're all entitled? How can he say something like that? Some of these folks are cool with genocide. Well, name one. Never does. If I'm censoring someone who thinks this way, I don't think I'm hindering anyone's free speech. So if you're censoring, you're not censoring. You see, how can they, they can, they can, they don't care about even the definitions of words. If I'm censoring someone who thinks this way, well, I'm not doing any censoring. <laughs> this is a stunning admission and a complete self-centered and morally reprehensible way to think, if you're talking about thinking. And, and, and here, both of these lefties oppose state censorship. They're both very libertarian in this regard, which is another left-wing thing. But support 
their own private anarchistic censorship based on their own subjective values and interpretation. I mean, what hypocrites? So no state censorship, just censorship by us based on how we happen to feel. But here's the moral bottom of the evil barrel. Quote, some people have this idea of the good protester and the bad protester. A lot of people have these ideas about what's okay to do at a protest. I don't agree, says Lamont. Uh, being able to protest violently all depends on the context, but some people look at it more black and white. Those darn binary thinkers. <laughs> oh, wow. I can't believe what I was, was hearing there. Well, some issues are black and white, and those issues are always the moral issues. And based on their just-heard philosophies, I would argue that Mike Roy and Bailey Lamont are not civilized individuals. Seriously. They don't know how to behave in a socialized setting. A civilized society is one that prohibits the initiation of the use of physical force by one person or group against another. A civilized society is one that encourages a diversity of opinion, not one that seeks to silence those with whom one disagrees. And why is it necessary for the left to silence its opponents? because they cannot morally justify their own ideas or actions and do not want to be held accountable or responsible for their actions. They also can't intellectually verbalize it either. You know, they can't even complete the thought. It was very difficult for me to listen to that whole thing and try to edit something into it that would make sense to you. We'll have the whole, the whole interview available so you can hear it unedited and we'll certainly be referring to future parts of it for future discussions, because these two were a classic, classic demonstration of how the left thinks about everything. When Bailey Lamont argues that she supports Pegida's right to free speech, well, she's lying. She doesn't support that. She considers her own exercise of speech, you know, hollering and yelling and spitting at her opponents, to be free speech. But free speech means free of interference, including violence and noise-making to prevent that speech from being heard by others. How is that different? You know, all, all these weird ways of, of, of uh, obviating the consent of other people. There's a bigger issue here. Neither Mike Roy nor Bailey Lamont addressed even one point actually raised by Pegida. Both remain willfully blind and oblivious to the plight of Muslims within this community and around the world. Both showed no consideration for those people who just might be interested in hearing what Pegida had to say. You know, communication is a two-way street. It's, it's not just the person who's speaking who has a right to freedom of speech. It's the listener. You have a right to hear someone, and nobody has a right to stand between the two of you and say that you can't hear the message. That's literally what they are doing. The counter-protesters, you know, yelling and hollering and swearing obscenities, interfered as much with willing recipients of Pegida's message as they did with Pegida's expression of that message. So what a pair of total losers, okay? Losers in every sense of the word. Now, Mark Vandermas, good for him, sent a complaint to CHRW Radio. He basically wrote to Andrew Barton, the current station manager at CHRW, and wrote how he wanted to make the station aware of his concerns regarding the Indignance show and draw to the station's attention all of the issues that I just raised, plus several others. But Andrew Barton responded to him and said, as this is a personal matter, 
With potential legal implications, it was decided not to discuss Bailey's involvement in the rally over the air after the incident. There are many reasons for this. Most, most importantly, though, we didn't want to bring additional attention to the incident. Her reaction was absolutely wrong, and we dealt with the issue appropriately at the time based on the law and our own internal policies and procedures. But this was interesting. He said that regarding comments made by Mike and Bailey on their September 22nd show, specifically the statements that some of these people are cool with genocide and inciting genocidal attitudes, much of the information out there about Pegida and Pegida Canada while showing their support for many valuable causes, seems to point directly to them being an anti-Islamic group. That ideology alone, being anti-Islamic, you see, qualifies them, in my opinion, as an outward group that is supporting hate and religious suppression, apparently based on the actions of extremists who are associated with Islam. Upon further research, it seems that there are several extremist anti-Islamic groups that do in fact support ideals associated with genocide that either are or are attempting to be associated with Pegida. The link between groups that are cool with genocide and Pegida have been written about and documented extensively from journalistic outlets across the globe. I have to agree with you, though, as presented, those comments on that specific show were certainly incendiary. I also invite you to listen to our brand new program, The Easy Truth, whose most recent episode features UWO group Israel on Campus. The Easy Truth gives great balance to the indignance and is actually a much longer program at one hour versus 30 minutes for the indignance. <laughs> oh, that, as if that speaks to anything. So how come no example of any group who is quote-unquote cool with genocide and which supports Pegida, was even identified. Name one. I want to hear about these groups. Never hear about them. Because the sources cited are also invalid sources and sources on the left who have the same agendas that they're pushing. We can have our discussion on the whole issue of who's cool with genocide after we identify who it is. And what about having that discussion, quote, on the actions of a small portion or sect of this religion, end quote, that Barton acknowledges exists? Can't we talk about that? Apparently not. That's the discussion we want to have. But like all members of the leftist media, constantly harping on the idea that by focusing on the guilty, we are also including the innocent. I mean, it's irrational and downright dangerous. And we're not looking, you know, nobody's looking for balance here. We're looking for the truth. And one does not balance the truth with falsehoods. That's just wrong. Now, as if to punctuate that point, up next we can hear this philosophy in action. On this side of our upcoming bumper, here's Mike Roy confronting Mark Vandermas at the Pegida rally on September 23rd, the day following the broadcast that we just heard. And of course, this is from Mark's own recording, who wisely took a recording and made sure to make a record of this. And on the other side of the bumper, as we return, we'll be hearing CTV television news coverage of the event as they reported it on the same day. Hey, stop assaulting that guy, Anthony. 
This is the guy who's posting online that it's great to punch Nazis. This guy right here. There you go. There you go. What's wrong with punching a Nazi, Mike? Well, first of all, there's no Nazis here, and you damn well know it. None of these people are Nazis. I'm not saying have I ever said they are. They shouldn't be punching anybody. They should be using the law. The rule of law. You're not supposed to be punching anybody. You're supposed to be punching because who decides who gets to be a Nazi, Mike? You? My grandfather. And the woman who spit on innocent people? My grandfather fought That's right. That's right. So Nazis and Nazi ideology. Good. There are no Nazis here, Mike. These are, these are not Nazis. Show me the Nazis. Why are you defending it? Nazi. Show me the Nazi. There's no Nazi. Do you right. see defense of Nazi? Why are you defending it? Who am I defending? Why are you giving me a hard time for if I want to punch a Nazi or not? Because you shouldn't why? be punching anybody. So why Especially you? when you're talking about no, these people. Yeah, I would punch a Nazi. Yeah, well, there you go. You're a criminal then. No, I'm not. My grandpa would be a criminal. These, these, are, not, these are not Nazis. These are not Nazis. So go find some real Nazis. Yes, you did. I saw your radio show. I saw your radio show, Mike. Come on. You come on. Daily was saying these are committing genocide. Yep. I heard you. I watched you. I watched. No, we're not. You are. You are. You are. I'm not the one saying punch a communist. You're the one saying punch people. Not me. What started as a peaceful rally and counter-protest turned violent when members of Pegida tried to take their demonstration to the street. Today there was uh, two different uh, groups protesting in front of City Hall, both with opposing viewpoints. And uh, during the course of both of those protests, uh, two persons were uh, arrested. No charges were laid, however, even during this incident. The demonstration started just before 11 a.m. A dozen or so members of Pegida took to the steps of City Hall. The Patriots of Canada Against Islamization of the West were there for the second time in a month. This is also a matter of honor. We were uh, slandered by City Council and the mayor, and we want to dispel those myths that we are neo-Nazi white supremacists. However, nearly 100 who object to their views tried to drown them out. These guys are an example of what's called the alt-right. They're the new racists that say they aren't racist. And they really represent a serious threat. And we can't allow them to get a foothold in our town, in our community, and we're not going to stand for it. Once again, there was aggression. Tensions were flaring, but the vast majority of uh, people that were here were uh, peaceful and uh, respectful. At times, though, London police were forced to intervene. I'm not surprised that some violence broke out, yeah. You know, that's, about, that's bound to happen when we're trying to shut these people down. We didn't uh, march last time, so but this time we were right in the middle of everybody. But like I said, I'm, I was determined not to have them stop us from marching because we are marching for democracy and freedom. According to Pegida member Jenny Hill, this is not the last we've seen of their group in front of City Hall. They say they'll continue protesting until council acknowledges slanderous remarks against their group. Brent Lale, CTV News.
You're listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Thank you to our financial supporters, because you've made it possible for us to continue on our journey in the right direction and to share our programming with the world. Visit www.justrightmedia.org to offer your financial support, and while you're there, be sure to sample some of our timeless past broadcasts, all archived not just for your listening enjoyment and convenience, but also as a record of our dedication, consistency, and principled approach to the discussion of all things just right about freedom and capitalism. And speaking of right, <laughs> quote, these guys, Pegida, are the alt-right, the new racists that say they aren't racists, end quote, says one of the counter-protesters in the CTV news item that we just heard incorrectly using those labels again, demonstrating how important the left and right labels distinctions are. Of course, as we already know, alt-right is not the right, otherwise it wouldn't be called the alternate to the right, by virtue of its own language. And the true alternate to right is left. There's no other positions there. And I'm just stunned to hear that now punching Nazis has become part of the local lexicon in London, Ontario, to be added to the usual list of leftist expletives deleted. Well, after hearing all about our own local demonstration of the left in action, here are two more general and non-local items about hate. (laughs) One on the theoretical level, the other on the theory and practice level. This message is aimed at the people who believe that the left really believes in freedom of speech and that the left really wants to have an honest and open debate. It just is not so. Experience will not bear that out. And one person who realized that was someone who wrote this following article. His name's Kurt Schlichter. The left hates you, act accordingly. And it appeared on townhall.com, published originally on February 6th of this year. And I quote, They hate you. Leftists don't merely disagree with you. They don't merely feel you're misguided. They don't think you're merely wrong. They hate you. They want you enslaved and obedient, if not dead. Once you get that, everything that's happening now will make sense, and you'll understand what you need to be ready to do. You are normal, and therefore you are a heretic. You refuse to bow to their idols, to subscribe to their twisted catechisms, to praise their false gods. This is unforgivable. You must burn. (laughs) Crazy talk? Just ask them. Go ahead. Go on social media. Find a leftist. It's easy. Just say something positive about America or about Jesus, and they'll come swarming like locusts. Engage them, and very quickly they'll drop their masks and tell you what they really think. I know. I keep a rapidly expanding file of Twitter leftist death wishes and <laughs> screenshots. Just like I'm collecting. Same thing that we're doing on Facebook. Oh, there are different leftist sects. But all the leftist sects agree. They have found the revealed truth. And imposing it upon the benighted normals like us is so transcendently important that they are relieved of any moral limitations. They are ISIS, except with hashtags, instead of AKs, committed to the establishment of a leftist caliphate. You wonder why the left is now justifying violence? Because they think that helps them right now. 
Today, it's suddenly okay to punch a Nazi. <laughs> but the punchline is that anyone who opposes them is a Nazi. Bingo. Just like we heard, demonstrated locally firsthand for us. You wonder why they ignore the rule of law and why they would could switch on a dime from screaming at Trump for refusing to preemptively legitimize a Hillary win and then scream that he is legitimate the moment she lost? Because their only principle is what helps the left win today. That's why the media gleefully, happily lies every single day about every single thing it reports. Objectivity? When that stopped being a useful thing, it stopped being a thing at all. The left won't say it out loud, at least not yet, but make no mistake, if violence is what, what it takes for the left to prevail, then violence we will have. You saw it, and you were meant to. Berkeley was a message about the price of dissent where leftists hold sway, and they seek to hold sway everywhere. How do we respond? The first step is to end the denial. Open your eyes. See what's happening. Don't allow yourself to be deluded by false nostalgia for a past period of cultural peace that existed only because, at that time, the left was winning. They hate you. Look at Twitter. Look at Facebook. Try and tell yourself that leftists are just nice people who disagree with you on a few policy details. Stop fooling yourself. Understand that this must get much worse before it can get better. We may wish to stop the cultural political struggle, but they can't stop. Their religion tells them we are greedy, racist, sexist, homophobe, morons who hate science and love Hitler. How could they tolerate us? How could they ever allow us to power? They can't. Their sick ideology and false theology requires that we be enslaved or exterminated. We can't be tolerated, and we certainly can't be allowed to hold the reins of power. I hope that my novel, People's Republic, about what lies at the bottom of this blood-soaked slippery slope would be rendered moot by the GOP's victory in November. I was wrong. The left has redoubled its efforts. So the only outcome is that one side wins and the other side loses. There's your polarization. There is no truce to be had, no possibility of a tie. And the frightening thing is that the left is so foolish, so stuck in its bubble, that it has no understanding that it can only push so far before the people with all the guns and all the training push back. That's the problem with kids who were raised on participation trophies and who never got into a fist fight. They don't consider the possibility that they will lose, and lose hard. We must ensure they do. Understand your enemy. Understand that the left will exploit your principles and morals to make you disarm yourself, figuratively and literally. Don't play their game. Don't fall for their manufactured outrages. Never concede their lies. Never take their side against the people defending your liberty. Most of all, accept the truth that if we let them win, we will spend the rest of our lives on our backs with a giant Brickenstock pressed into our collective face. They hate us. And however they come at us, we need to be prepared to fight. Wow, that's a powerful statement. And it's just such a warning that we should all take heed. Unity protests sorely lacking in love, says this actual theory and practice article written by Sue Ann Levy of the Toronto Sun. And she writes, they kept telling the ragtag group of protesters who turned up at Queen's Park Sunday afternoon to smash hate with love. The organizers repeatedly said their unity rally to end white supremacy was peaceful, nonviolent, and a loving protest. 
Love will win this for all of us, shouted organizer Jiwan Chanika. Let's stand strong together in unity and love. That was until I was recognized by a woman carrying a Palestinian flag. It happened after I took a picture of her adult son, who posed with his sign reading, quote, Charlottesville exposes Zionism as a supremacist movement. Israel government and Israel lobby in U.S. remain silent on Charlottesville horror, end quote. The woman who refused to give her name, despite several requests, followed me around the protest, waving her flag in my face and shrieking, this is Sue Ann Levy, the hateful Zionist. <laughs> as much as perhaps the organizers had every intention of not resorting to hate, I certainly wasn't feeling the love. In fact, many of the 600-odd protesters, seemingly emboldened by the horrible neo-Nazi anti-Semitic far-right hate spewed in Charlottesville this past summer, were just as hateful. Whether that hate was expressed in their signage, their words, or in the literature they handed out. Amid a huge police presence, dozens of cops on foot, on bikes, and in cars, many of the usual labor union, Marxist, anarchist, student, and of course highly oppressed suspects made it abundantly clear that they hate U.S. President Donald Trump, they hate the police, they hate rules, they hate white men, they hate any critics of radical Islam, and several hate Israel, as I was not surprised to see, she writes. My point is, hate from the far right and hate from the far left is really no different. And there she's quite incorrect, because all the hate is coming from the left. Where is, where's, the, where's the far right hate? Carl Gardner, a York University PhD student and professional agitator who was banned from Queens Park for his involvement in the Grassy Narrows protest in June of 2016, urged the crowd from a truck on College Street to be free from, quote, colonialism, fascism, capitalism, and patriarchy. Wow. How insane can it get? And of course, at the root of all this leftist thinking is always the desire for the unearned, something for nothing, both in the material and in the spiritual sense. After all, it avoids the effort of effort, because effort means hard work. Tonight we're going to take a look at work. Well, great, I'm all for that. You mean work? No looking at it. <laughs> I thought so. <laughs> Did you ever have to work real hard at anything? Well, once it took two dinners and a bottle of wine. I mean pursuing something utilizing your full capacity that could result in an achievement providing great personal satisfaction. Ever do that? Yeah, as I said, once it took two dinners and a bottle of wine. <laughs> what it means to work. I certainly do. I often I tell girls I need understanding. Well, what's that got to do with it? Nothing, but it works. <laughs> have, you ever, have you ever had a real job? Sure, I once worked part-time, but I got fired. Why? It was a full-time job. Uh, <laughs> I just can't believe just you... Just one after the other. I, it's, it's hard to believe you've never had any kind of a job. Well, I did have one. I was yeah. carving out quite a nice career for myself, too. Oh, really? What were you? Well, I was a towel boy in the steam room at the YWCA. I don't want to hear got fired. All right. Why? We're getting too wrapped up in my work. She was around my age. 26. How'd she die? In a battle with a hostile species. 
there's still war in the future? On Earth, between human beings, war has been eliminated. But the galaxy's a big place with thousands of species. Not all of them have the same values we have. Yes, wars will exist in the future. As long as freedom and capitalism are hated, and as long as those political and social conditions are not achieved. Yeah, you can always have war. As we discussed last week, the debut of the latest Star Trek series, Discovery, certainly produced some highly polarized views. It has even generated some controversies that may have more to do with Donald Trump's America First policies than with Discovery itself. But it's difficult to deny that the strongest reactions to Discovery were the negative ones, those from fans disappointed with what they saw in the series' first three episodes, ourselves included. It is also difficult to deny that whether or not Star Trek Discovery is actually great entertainment depends on the eye of the beholder. That's a kind of a separate question. But the greater question that arose was one concerning the law of identity. Does Star Trek Discovery actually, quote, pass the Star Trek smell test? Is it Star Trek? Are there any objective ways to decide? Does it even matter, or is this simply another matter to be settled via the eye of the beholder? Now, as a barometer of the times in which its stories were originally broadcast, the world of Star Trek itself has become increasingly transformed from one of individual rights and individual identity the hallmarks of a free society, to one of group rights and group identities, with all of the implications that each suggests. Discovery certainly appears to have abandoned the vision and spirit of the series creator Gene Roddenberry, and unless its writers and creators move quickly to recapture that spirit, Discovery may never shine enough to even produce a faint reflection of how brightly Star Trek shone when it was just right. Now, as if to shout it out doubly loud that the new Star Trek is a socialist construction, our London's resident Marxist-Leninist, Eric Shepard, columnist in that paper, in his October 5th column, The Undiscovered Country, quote, Star Trek has returned to TV after a decades-long hiatus, and it's more valuable to our society than ever. It might seem like trivial entertainment that science fiction serves an important role in our culture. It gives us the opportunity to dream big. The beauty of Star Trek is its unreservedly utopian vision of the future. By the 23rd century, humanity has long since solved its major internal conflicts. War, famine, and poverty have been eliminated, and diversity is embraced wholeheartedly in all its forms. Technology and automation have created a post-scarcity economy, rendering money and nationalism obsolete. In place of coerced wage, labor, and exploitation, citizens are free to pursue their passions and explore the limits of the possible. Good sci-fi gives us a testbed for new ways of living without the limits of what's practical by today's standards. The fully automated luxury space communism of Star Trek gives us a utopian ideal. But a less rosy vision is all too possible. In the worst version of the future, capitalist robots will take all of our jobs, leaving the masses impoverished and dispossessed. Already, inequality has risen as those with the means of automation reap all the benefits. <laughs> this is such a non-sequitur. I don't know how you'd address it. But he continues, 
Under the current model of work for money for subsistence, the system will eventually grind to a halt and collapse. But it doesn't have to be this way. We'll soon possess the means to fulfill all our material needs with a tiny fraction of the labor. If we want the Star Trek future, we can make it so. Let's boldly go, end quote. <laughs> we'll talk about wanting something for nothing. Consider the state of a mind that at the same time longs for effortless utopia, you know, this effortless utopia of, quote, fully automated luxury space communism, end quote, while at the same time fearing a future in which, quote, capitalist robots will take all of our jobs, end quote. Uh, this coming from a guy who doesn't want to have to work, who laments job losses at the same time he celebrates the fact that work is no longer necessary? Is, does he not see a sort of a contradiction there? These views are not only entirely divorced from reality, they are divorced from the world of Star Trek itself. If Star Trek was, in fact a communist utopian ideal, then no one in the world of Star Trek would have any individual freedom, because that's not what communism is about. They would all be Borg. Communism is not about freedom or about luxury. Show me where that has ever happened. Just what planet in the universe has that phenomenon ever been observed on? And yes, contrary to what he believes, they have money on Star Trek. They call it credits, and everything they replicate on their little replication machines is paid for with these credits. These details have, over the course of various series, been revealed. But why is Star Trek today, quote, more valuable to our society than ever, as Shepard would argue, end quote? When you consider who's saying this, shouldn't warning bells be ringing? Because it's not the Star Trek that preaches what are essentially Western values and individual rights, just as Dave Cullen brought to our attention on the show last week. For me, the greatest discovery I realized from reading Shepard's column is that a certain leftist principle seems to apply universally, whether it's applied to the real world or to the world of fiction. And we've cited it often on this show, namely that to the left... Facts don't matter. Even though none of the fictional facts about the world of Star Trek match Shepard's view of the show, he just carries on boldly with his leftist ideologies in a complete vacuum of floating abstractions unanchored to anything. Boy, does that ever tell a story. It's not about Star Trek. Now, when we broadcast our show last week on Star Trek, i completely forgotten that Bill Shatner was actually in London, Ontario from October 13th to 15th for the city's Comic-Con at the Western Fair District. And this following article appeared on the very day of our broadcast, published on October 12th, Our London, and the headline reads, Shatner Dishes on Poutine and Discovery, written by Scott Taylor. Quote, now a new Star Trek series has launched, this one called Discovery, that has opened to mixed reviews. Of course, Shatner has seen it. I was invited to the opening, and I think it's very entertaining. I think everybody will be very happy with it, he said. But, asked if it captures the spirit of Star Trek creator Gene Roddenberry's vision of the future, Shatner is less sure. Well, probably not but maybe it's gone on to more of a conversion to congruent times. <laughs> this is either a commentary on the show 
or more likely the times, writes Scott Taylor. Shatner is an able and willing foe on Twitter, end quote. So there you go. Even Shatner cannot reconcile this new Star Trek with any vision that was created by Gene Roddenberry. And it's precisely the distinction, and a very significant one at that, that I and other critics were making on the show last week. But I think the person who has summarized it best is the person who started this whole Star Trek Discovery conversation in the first place. Happens to be my daughter, Danielle, who sent the email that launched the whole thing last week. And at the time of first contacting us, had not yet seen the show in question, but has now followed up with her own observation about Discovery by writing us to say this, and I quote, Since I inadvertently started this, I figured I'd throw my two cents in. I watched the first three episodes yesterday evening. It's not Star Trek. It's a mediocre sci-fi series that has a great budget for special effects because it's riding on the franchise's coattails. Can it improve? Possibly, but it's still not Star Trek. So what is Star Trek? Star Trek is about heroes defending the principles of Western civilization whilst exploring the galaxy and pushing the boundaries of the unknown, of the known, (laughs) to boldly go where no man has gone before. Where are the heroes in this show? I can't find a single character for which I have any sympathy or to whom I could relate. They could all die and I wouldn't even bother to shrug. Even in the first J.J. Abrams reboot of Star Trek, I felt the tragedy of Kirk's father's death, having only known him for mere minutes. There is no one in this show to which I can relate. Star Trek is traditionally based on a tight-knit crew to which you felt immediate affinity. The camaraderie, the honor, the trust. This show has none of that. It makes weak attempts by telling us the connections, but none of it seems genuine. Where is the ship? The basic framework of Star Trek is about the captain and his or her ship, or in the case of Deep Space Nine, the station. There is a passionate connection between the captain and the symbol for which the Federation stands. There is a reason that after the original Star Trek and Next Generation, which were both tied to the Starship Enterprise, that every other show was named after the ship or space station. They are integral characters in the show in and of themselves. The ship Discovery is introduced in Episode 3, not as a heroic vessel, but one that holds mysteries and potential dangers. The show itself is dark and boring. Cool special effects don't matter when no one on the screen does either. As for the YouTube critics, I'm unfamiliar with Holiday, but Dave Cullen is a political commentator whom I have followed for quite a while, who usually posts on his Computing Forever channel, and he makes some very valid comments. He didn't want to make his review of the show political, but the cast and crew were way out ahead on that. They blatantly stated what they were trying to do with the show in regards to their political leftist leanings, which Colin detailed in his critique. So I ask again, where are the heroes? You might consider Star Trek formulaic, but that's what makes it Star Trek. If you don't want to play by the rules, then don't play the game. Call it something else. Leave the legacy of the heroes who boldly went before out of it. And that was from my daughter, Danielle. And with that, it's now time for us to boldly 
Well, just go. (laughs) But just till next week, join us again then when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be Goldie, you'd be the one to ask about this. You know a lot yes, of people. Yes, I know a lot of things. Yes, I, I know. And I appreciate your telling me about them. You know, but yes. what do you think about this? A lot of people think that the country is becoming polarized. That now, Dan. No, it, that is ridiculous. Is because it? the world, how can they make us, gonna make us Polish? I, 